All right, we are finally back. Hi everyone, Sarah here with episode number 26 of She's Unstoppable. I do apologize for the bit of hiatus that we took, but I also promise you that it was worth it because we have so many incredible things coming your way, truly. Um, so we kicked that off today with an interview with my friend and successful entrepreneur, Tasha Land, who is also, by the way, my birthday twin. So that makes all of this just so much more exciting. Um, but Tasha is a successful entrepreneur. She owns two eyelash extension studios in California. She's got Wink in Pasadena and then Infinite in San Diego. She also has a product line as well as her most important venture. She is a one and a half year old daughter named Everly. And so in this episode, we are diving into it all. We're talking about how she started her business as a broke girl in a super toxic work environment and decided, fuck this. I'm done with this. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to scrounge up the money to make it happen. And then we really from there dive into just some of the most important lessons that she's learned. So everything from how to handle mistakes, but how to handle boundaries when people attempt to push them, how to really charge what she wants to charge, especially in a luxury industry, Um, and really all things customer service, because that's something that I really appreciate about her, not only being, you know, a friend, so we've had these private conversations, but as a customer there myself, I just got my lashes done a week ago for the first time, and they look fabulous, if I must say so myself. But really, she does such a good job of taking care of her clients and making sure that they want to come back, right? I think so many people get so obsessed with finding more people, finding more people, but treating your people well is such a big piece of this. So again, we dive into all of it. And so I'm excited to bring that to you, but I want to really quickly say this, and I'm going to say it literally as quickly as I possibly can, that, you know, when I started this podcast, or even when I thought about starting this podcast, The thing that excites me the most and fires me up the most is women entrepreneurship. It's not just the coaching and the webinars and the digital courses, right? Those things are great and it's how I make my living. But the thing that excites me the most is the fact that we are living in this day and age where we can take what we love and start a business. And sometimes that means with no money, right? Like like I did. And I want this show, I want this podcast to be uh, really to be able to showcase women who are doing it in all different capacities. So women who come from all different backgrounds, women who have all different types of businesses, women who are making all different types of money, because I feel as though it's great to watch the millionaires of the world, right? But I also know that when I was starting seeing, you know, Bethany Frankel have her empire, it was inspiring, but it also felt so far out of reach. It felt so far away from where I was at that moment. And more than anything, I want women all over truly to see that they can take what they love and make money off of it. And more importantly than that, create a life that they can live on their terms rather than, you know, working for somebody where you're miserable and stuck for 40 years of your life, right? That's literally my mission. That is the thing that excites me and the thing that I'm most passionate about more than anything else in this world. And so moving forward, we're really going to follow an interview format for the most part. I might do a solo show from time to time, but really I want this to be more interview based. If you want to hear my live videos or my solo content, definitely join the Unstoppable Women Entrepreneurs Facebook group because we have a ton of that. I think I think I did five videos last week, right? So there's no shortage of Sarah. Um, But this podcast moving forward is really going to be, like I said, interview based. And so again, I'm super excited to kick off the first one with Tasha. We had a great conversation. I think will benefit you no matter what you do, no matter where you are in business or if you're thinking about starting that business, whatever it is, I think you will love it. And so enjoy. 
All right, we are here with Tasha Land. Thank you so much for being here. I am really, really, really excited about this, and I'm excited that you are my first in-person interview. I know. I am so honored to be here. You have no idea. I've been looking forward to this like since you asked me. Actually, before that, because I listened to your podcast, and I remember messaging you and telling you, like, oh, my God, these are so good. Like, you give so much good information. And when you asked, you was like, me? Like me, little old me. <laughs> yes, I'm so I'm so proud of everything that you've done. It's I feel like that's funny to say because we haven't known each other all that long. But I, I look up to you and I admire all that you've done with your business and all that you've done with your life. And so it felt like such a natural fit for the first person. But also, tip to everyone: pick a friend so that you can test the audio and the tech <laughs> and all that stuff with anybody being mad at you. Totally. Um, okay, so I want to dive right in. Okay. I want everyone to hear a little bit about how you started like let's go to the beginning where did this all come from talk to us about that okay so we can go back to the very beginning <laughs> go way back <laughs> when i was a, a kid um so i feel like i kind of i mean looking back i always had this entrepreneurial spirit in me because i grew up in beverly hills but it wasn't your typical like big estate in beverly hills my family we were a family of five and we lived in a two-bedroom apartment and the only reason my parents moved to beverly hills was for the school district because it was a really good public school system so set that stage um when i got into middle school my brother who was eight and a half years younger was in preschool and my parents my mom specifically you know they had a budget for school clothes and I had a very expensive taste from like a very young age. And so I wanted to go to the Beverly Center and go to Bloomingdale's and buy my clothes there. And my parents are like, great, well, here's the money we set aside for you. So anything above that, you can pay for it and you can spend the money however you want. So I literally printed up business cards on our like IBM. <laughs> my Print shop to luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever it was. My sister and I took CPR classes and then we dropped the business cards off at my brother's preschool. So. My summers, I had a whole schedule where I, I literally would write things down on a calendar and I booked myself babysitting jobs and I would save all my money to go to the Beverly Center and buy seven jeans, a Lacoste polo, and I think some like Chanel sunglasses and that was my whole summer savings. <laughs> but um, I had that kind of instilled in me and then in high school, my parents, again, it was like, you know, we had to pay for our car insurance, we had to pay for our phone bill. We, you know, and I was working at Coffee Bean making $7 an hour. So that was like my whole check or my prom dress. I wanted a prom dress, so I had to go buy it, you know? So um, that's kind of, I feel like where it all began, but um, getting into lashes was a little bit um, farther down the road. Um, I was working at Anthem Blue Cross. I was 24 years old, really tired of the cubicle life. I remember just, dreading going into work and thinking like there's got to be more than this like what do I want to do like what do I want to do and I remember thinking like I was always into skincare so I enrolled in esthetician school and I just thought like okay I can do this at least it won't be like this mundane thing um and I just happened to I feel like the universe just kind of leads you down a path and I was curious about lash extension so I found this lady in Pasadena who had really good Yelp reviews, and this is 2010, so this is, I mean, almost a decade ago, 2010, and um, I set up an appointment, I got lashes, and then I was like, my life is complete, I can never go back to being ugly, so <laughs> a couple months into getting my lashes done, she asked me if I would be interested in learning how to do them from her and working with her, because she wanted to build a team, and 
I remember thinking like, yeah, that would be cool because then I don't have to look for a job after school. I could do that. And then I had plans on going to nursing school. So I was like, great. You know, as long as you're flexible with my school schedule, I can do that um, and work here. And then my goal at the time was to be a medical esthetician. So doing like laser hair removal, injectables, stuff like that. Um, So that's kind of how I got into the lash world. And then shit took like a turn after <laughs> after all of that um basically what happened was i started working for her and um about a year in it was good and then it just shit just got really toxic um it wasn't a good work environment i felt like i was getting picked on a lot and um i really got like really bad anxiety going into work every day because there was always something um i feel like she was very competitive with the staff so I would get like a lot of really good Yelp reviews or, you know, celebrity clientele or whatever. And there was always an issue, whether it was like, why aren't you wearing makeup today? Why aren't you wearing heels? Like coming in when we were working and like making critiques in front of clients, which was like so unprofessional. And, um, and so, um, you know, I just, I kind of got fed up with it. And one of my good friends, Evelyn, who I met in esthetician school, funny enough, and then we started working together. Um, at that place we were at my apartment having wine as most good ideas of course (laughs) come to light and I remember saying like fuck this like we should just start our own place and she was like okay and I was like no I'm serious like we should start our own place she's like okay so after that I was just like well fuck it like I said it so now I have to do it so I started like scouting places so it was like immediate I mean yeah but this was like two and a half years was about a year and a half working for them and I was just so fed up like literally I remember having the thought like do like I had the realization of like I have the skills so like I don't have to work here like I don't need to be here with them and then I remember thinking I'm just gonna get a job somewhere else and then this fear crept in of like but what if this happens somewhere else like I don't want to be in this position and working for someone else and like being stuck like that so then I was like okay well the only other thing is I'll work for myself and I was like even if half the clients follow me whatever that's better than like being miserable here and like I lost so much I mean literally I was just so so miserable there but um yeah it was pretty much immediate I mean it was I think November December and then going into the new year I reached out to different um places to kind of like see the space and um you know see if it would be a good fit we saw a first one, we liked it, but I was like, no, we can't go with the first one because who goes with the first one? We saw some other ones um, and we ended up going with the first one <laughs> because it would just fit all of our needs. Like it was a good space, we could do a build out. Um, my boyfriend at the time was very helpful as far as like we got a contractor that he had used to build his studio and um, everything aligned. And when it happened, I mean, I just dove right in with kind of like, I didn't have fear because I just, I felt like I was backed in a corner and everything had to work out. Like there was no Mm -hmm. other option than it's just gonna work. Like I remember thinking that um, like I can bet on myself. And so at the end of the day, like I'll make it work. I know I will, but we're doing a build out and we're getting these estimates and the contractor was like giving us estimates. And I was just like, yeah, 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 that sounds good. And I didn't have money in my bank account. so. I remember Evelyn, you know, she was able to come up with her half and I think total it was going to be a little over 30,000. So I was responsible for like 15,000 and I don't even know how I came up with that 15,000. But all I know is every time it was time to write a check for 
the contractor it was like you know the first one was like a ten thousand dollar check so i was responsible for the five thousand and i don't know if i just got a tax return or i started like doing um you know house calls for clients all i know is when all was said and done i had my half she had her half and we we fucking did it it was just it was insane i think two really important things that you said there number one i totally forgot that you told me about that about going to the beverly center so i love that you said that <laughs> but i think there's there are two really important lessons just with what you just said is number one you knew you had a skill mm-hmm. and i think that so often you know, we're obviously so emotional about making money and doing something scary, right? I don't mean to make it sound like starting a business isn't scary, but I also feel like if we just come back to logic, right? You have a skill, you're good at something that people are paying for. Mm -hmm. So if we use that bit of logic and go after it, why the hell wouldn't it work out? And like, that was my attitude when I started freelancing because I was like, this is going to be hard. This isn't going to be easy. But if I have to knock down, like knock on every single freaking door in New Jersey and like offer them my marketing, like yeah. I'll, I'll come up with 10 clients, like no matter how long it takes, like I'll figure it out. And which is like the second thing is you were just unavailable for it not working. Yeah. I wasn't available for it not working. And then also strategic in the sense of like, when we were first talking about it, it's like, okay, well, where do we want to be? Like studio city? Do we want to be here? And then it was like, hold up all of our clients are used to coming to Pasadena. So like this is before we were looking for places. I was like, we need to stay in Pasadena because we had clients coming from all over. I mean, I had clients coming from Palisades, from Orange County, but I was like, they're all used to already coming to Pasadena. So why move? And so that was like a light bulb of like, yeah, we need to stay in fucking Pasadena because regardless of where they're coming from, like they're already used to coming here. And so they're more likely to follow. But um, yeah, that was, you know, it was like the light bulb. Like I have the skill, like I am the business, like people like me, they like what I do. So why wouldn't they follow? And if they don't fine, but you know, it was like, I can always, I can always get more people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you feel like in that first year, for example, what was the biggest lesson? What was the biggest surprise? Like what really came up for you that first year? So I'm trying to think the first surprise, I feel like, so you know, we made a lot of decisions in the beginning. One of the first things I was like, okay, we got an accountant. Well, I thought it was an accountant oh. because I was like terrified of like not paying taxes. And, um, you know, so we had the build out, all of that. It was great. Um, but it came to bite me in the ass later because come to find out our accountant wasn't an actual CPA. She kind of like, represented herself to be an accountant without like all the credentials like she was totally fine to do taxes and stuff like that but I started like Evelyn and I both were like getting notifications of like an audit and it was like what the fuck and we kind of dove deeper and realized like she was doing shit wrong so I feel like a big lesson is if you know when you're going into your business and you're hiring your people that you need check their their shit and make sure obviously that they are who they say they are and not going to get you in trouble and I mean we have an accountant firm now that's like amazing and they got me through the audit and thank god I didn't have to pay the IRS anything more but I did have to pay them a lot of money to like get through it and um I was like fuck like I wish I knew that you know you just like you meet with people it sounds good and it's like okay great you know or hiring people too that's like my least favorite thing um because people you just don't know people until they start working for you and then sometimes you get in and you're like god damn like this isn't a good fit but it's kind of always always worked out like I remember one girl 
she ended up moving away and I was like thank god you know like mm-hmm. please leave yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like been a lesson too and like how to go about um hiring people and and figuring out who's going to be a good fit for the team and I also feel like you're absolutely right but I also feel like I talk to a lot of people who are you know love their businesses obviously they're like you know I started this from scratch I'm like yeah I know like we all did right (laughs) and they're so afraid to like put their business in anyone else's hands whether it's an employee whether Mm -hmm. it's an accountant whatever it is and I mean would you agree though that at the end of the day especially with what you're doing mistakes are going to happen and this is all part of business and I feel like my point is I feel like a lot of people keep themselves small by being in so much fear around that Mm -hmm. whereas like at some point you have to kind of accept that like this is it's a growing pain of business yeah it totally (laughs) it definitely is and I feel like it's also I relate it to like after I became a mom and like I just had to learn to let shit go because I'm such a control freak and especially like with the business it's like you want to analyze every aspect and you know as many steps as I implement as far as like people having a great customer service experience and like texting and following up and like reminders and you know um, making sure we're available and we keep an open door policy like shit happens but like the only way you're going to learn how to deal with it is by dealing with it yeah and so you know when we have issues with clients and sometimes it's like oh my god why is this happening but it's like you know what how can I word it so like it's a win for both of us and they want to keep coming back to us if we drop the ball or if they're just like an annoying person and you know we kind of have to manage that too so and I also I always just have the tendency to feel like maybe this is like naive of me to say but I also have the tendency to feel that like it's always how you handle a problem it's always how you handle an issue and I also I I just feel like human beings get that human errors happen and most humans get that. yes and the one but the, and my point is that the ones that don't I'm just kind of like okay yeah like like please don't I don't want you right yeah there's we enough had people. to deal with that especially with the cancellation policy you know we had to strictly enforce it or taking um deposits when people you know book because you might think someone sounds like a nice person on the phone and then they don't show up and you're the one left asked out or if they no show for their appointment and someone's like well the whole sob story and I feel like too women will do that with other women but if it was like a man who owned the business they would be less likely to like try to push the boundaries which I found interesting too and so I have a strict policy and you know usually maybe the first time you know depending on what it is or what happened we'll waive it but after that it's kind of like no like this is my time you booked the appointment you didn't show up or you canceled with like a couple hours notice like there's no there's no way you know so it's it's that boundary too of it always is a weird thing with boundaries because it's like you want to approach it as a kind human being but obviously you also have to honor your time and you know not let it get too out of hand but would you agree that something that I say often is I can tell how successful someone's going to be in their business based on the way that they treat my business because if you're speaking to me like you're a business owner Mm -hmm. and you get it it's one thing, whereas if you're just coming at it, only thinking about it from your point of view, like the example that I always use is like, that's like you going into a restaurant, a crowded restaurant and being like, I'd like the thermostat turned down. And it's like, as if you're the only human being there. I'm like, that's a customer mindset. Whereas like, I always try to be in the mindset of the business owner. And obviously it doesn't mean all business owners are right all the time, but don't you think it's like the, the thinking from the other side, I think says a lot about somebody. I think so for sure. And then how you approach it. I remember I had one client she was going to see one of the other girls and this was 2016 
And I remember there was some issue. I don't remember what the issue was, but she made a point to reach out to me. And she is actually super fucking successful and has multiple businesses. And she wanted to talk to me and she was like, hey, like just because I own businesses, I thought you should know as the owner, this was kind of what happened. Um, I'm not looking for you to like, you know, credit me anything. She's like, I just want to let you know so that you could deal with it. And so like that approach, it was like, okay, you know, you're a fucking boss because you didn't come at me like, well, do you know who I am and da 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 whatever, you know? And it, it just had a level of respect of like from one business owner to the other, you know, but also like one human being to another and understanding each person may not be a full reflection of the business as tight of a ship as you try to run. But um, I do remember her, you know, wanting to speak to me separately, kind of told me whatever the issue was and, you know, and then she ended up coming to me as a client and then like talking more and, I always remember thinking like, holy fuck, like she's got this shit going on, you know, and she could have been a total bitch and like been super demeaning and like made it seem like I have such a small business and you should, da, 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 you know, but she didn't approach it that way, which it's, is a nice, like, it's like, just be a good human. <laughs> it's like a breath of fresh air to yeah. actually see somebody, I don't know, somebody you admire. I like, I'm always like that even with celebrities. Like, it just makes me so happy when celebrities are nice, then they yeah. don't have to be like, I don't know. Exactly. Everyone needs to be nice. Exactly. Okay, so that starts in 2010. Yeah, so 2010 was when I first started doing lashes. Um, and then 2013 is when we first opened our business. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so when did you open? So that, that so that's Wink in Pasadena, everybody. Yes. And then you also have a second studio. Yeah. When did that happen? So Infinite Lash Boutique, which is in San Diego, it's in Del Mar, um, that happened in 2016. And so basically that happened really organically. I knew I wanted a second location. I was thinking I wanted something in LA, um, but I started dating my now fiance and father of her beautiful daughter um Chris and he was in San Diego and so San Diego and LA as you know aren't that far apart without traffic and so I have a lot of clients who had friends in San Diego and so what started out as like oh can you do my friend's lashes you know when you're when you're down there turned into like oh and now the fat friends co-workers want to come to me so I literally was like doing some people like in his extra bedroom. I set it up like it was at my studio, whatever. And then when like other people who weren't friends of the people I knew, I was like, okay, I need to get a little place. So I just got like a salon suite, which was like perfect because I have like the storefront in San Diego, the salon suite in San Diego. Did I say Pasadena? Sorry. So I have this. I <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. So I have the the storefront in Pasadena, and then the salon suite in San Diego, and so that's how that came about. And it's funny because before I was even gonna start taking clients in San Diego, I was so nervous. Like I hadn't been doing this for years, and I remember thinking, wait, what's like holding me back? Like you do this every fucking day. Like what's the difference? It's just like a different place. Like you can do this. You've done it before, and it's a smaller scale. Like why not? And I just had, I remember Chris and I were doing like a little staycation at the Montage and it was in September and I've been thinking about it and talking about it for months. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. The only way I'm going to start doing it is taking action. And so I was on my laptop and I was like, I'm just going to start ordering like the furniture I need and the supplies I need for the second place. And then once that did, you know, that happened and stuff's coming in, then I'm like, okay, well, I have to take the next step. So then it's like, let me, you know, go on and create the LLC and get the EIN and start the bank account and, you know, do all the shit that like you needed to get done. But um, that just kind of happened from clients having friends in San Diego. And now um, there's two other girls who work there along with me. And um, 
you know, I kind of play around with the idea of, do I want another storefront in San Diego? I go back and forth. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. That'll yeah. be part two. Yeah. But I think, I think it's important to remember that like, I mean, I know this happens to me in my business and I know that it happens obviously to a lot of the women that I speak to that like, you can do the same thing that you've already done, but it just being a little bit different or feeling a little bit unfamiliar, yeah. it makes us, you know, forget who we are and forget what we've done a little bit. And we feel like we're like reinventing the wheel. And so a second studio, not to mention that it was you were by yourself as yeah. opposed to being with Evelyn, mm -hmm. like, of course, that's kind of a scary thing to jump into. Yeah. And it's a different market, even though San Diego and LA are so close together, I feel like they're kind of different lifestyles. So in, in LA, I mean, everyone is about maintenance. So it's like no big deal. You get your nails done, you get your lashes done, you get your Botox, you get your, you know, whatever you need. Mm -hmm. And it's like on your schedule recurring. Whereas in San Diego, it's like people had really bad experiences from people who didn't really know what they were doing there. And so people were a hesitant to do it or they didn't look at it as kind of like a lifestyle, like maintenance thing. It was more like a special occasion thing. So. It took it a little bit longer to get going, but I do know how to get clients in and, um, you know, and once they're in, it's like they're hooked because we're going to take care of them. You know, we're going to make sure like it's a great experience. The lashes look great, but also like they last and, you know, all around. It's like once you come in, like you may as well just sign your life away. <laughs> Let's talk about that because I know that you and I have had like private conversations about this, but I think so many people are obsessed with more people, more people, mm -hmm. marketing, whatever it is, and then they're not taking care of the people that are actually walking yeah. in the door. And again, we've talked about this, but I feel like you've done such a good job of like really honoring your clients and being, you know, the best experience that they want to come back. And I think that, I, I mean, you can speak on this more than me, but like, I just want everyone to understand that like, that makes such a difference in your bottom line, in your overall business. And again, I, I see so many entrepreneurs that they're just obsessed with more money, more people, and they're not understanding that they're fucking themselves yeah. by not doing a good job with the people they already have. Right. You definitely got to take care of the people you have, because especially in this business, which is a service business, like you could get all the new clients in, but if they're not repeat customers, like that's so much extra work. And then if you just have repeat customers, they're doing the work for you. Like A, their friends and family are going to see your work. And then your clients are going to be so happy that like we do barely any marketing because it's all referral based or like review based. I mean, we have five stars, I don't know, almost 205 stars on Yelp. And it's because our clients, you know, a are kind enough to like leave us five star reviews, but that's like, that's our marketing, you know? And if you, you take care of the clients you have, and it's not just like trying to undercut the next person, the block over and be cheaper because if you can charge more, you can work less, you know, depending on what you want to make. But, you know, people are going to be, um, people are going to be willing to pay more when they're taken care of. And it's all the little things. It's like, is your place clean? Are you, are they greeted? Like, I hate going into a store and it could be, you know, on Rodeo and you walk in and the person is like snooty and like doesn't greet you. And, you know, you're kind of like, Hey, I have money to spend here. Like, you know, you better Big say mistake. hi to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty woman. You know, so it's everything from being greeted to like, we send thank you cards after to, you know, when you walk in and you know, someone hasn't been here before and it's like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, fill this out. If you need the restroom, it's over here. Help yourself to any snacks, 
coffee, tea, you know, whatever it is. Um, we do like consultations with everyone to make sure we do like, we have a thorough understanding of like what they want. We follow up with them a couple days after, Hey, how are you loving your lashes? But even that is like strategic as like, not how was your service? Did you like it? It's like, we're already putting it in their head that they love them, you Mm -hmm. know, but it also gives them an opportunity if like they don't love them, you know, they're not going to go on Yelp. They're going to be like, oh, well, actually, like, is this normal? Or, you know, I kind of noticed that. And if there is an issue, it's like, yeah, come in. We don't make anyone feel bad because they don't like something, you know, because at the end of the day, they're paying for it. You want to love it. And, um, you know, we want to make sure we get it right. But I think that's a really interesting point, too, because I think that as women, it's a different ball game. I feel like a man would very, a, a lot easier, I should say, a lot more easily say that they were not happy with XYZ. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, and I'll admit myself, if I wasn't happy with a service, I'm probably not going to say anything. I'm just going to go somewhere else. And so like opening up the conversation and actually giving a shit really goes a long way. Oh, totally. And we all say it too. I think even with our consultations, it's like, you know, we try to nail it the first time. Obviously we've never met you before or seen, you know, you can bring pictures, whatever. But if you don't like anything, it's like, don't feel bad, just let us know, you know? And so that's why we'll have like our receptionists follow up. And um, it's like nine times out of 10, everyone loves them. And then, you know, I'm always grateful. And I tell the girls too, like who work there, you know, and I think beginning, you know, when people, they don't really have the confidence yet of like dealing with the client. So they feel like they're gonna get in trouble because someone didn't like anything. And I'm like, no, this is great. Like you have to look at it as a positive. This person feels comfortable enough to reach out to us and be like, hey, I didn't like this or you know what I thought I liked this length and they're too long can we go shorter or you know oh I kind of want long you know whatever I want fuller I want less full you know they feel comfortable enough to come back and say that to us so like we have the opportunity like this is actually like a a, um, what's the word (laughs) like a compliment you know that they feel comfortable to come back and tell us you know their feedback and then we have the opportunity to fix it and you also have the opportunity to grow a little bit yeah right like it's a situation where like if you know five out of ten people are saying xyz about their service like at least you're hearing from your people again versus the person who just goes off and complains on yelp or just never comes back right yeah and then too it's like that's why we specifically don't do groupons because nothing against people who love groupon but in our experience, those people are the biggest complainers and you could do everything and yet they still will, and I'm generalizing, like I have one person who I remember was a group on back at the first place I worked at and she's like one of my good friends now, but the only one. And um, <laughs> One group on our friend, that's one it. One of the group ons who actually stayed, but a lot of those people are looking for like the next deal, you know, so that's the other thing too. I'm like, I don't want to discount like our, cause it's our time and it's our skill and you're discounting it for what? For the person to go to like the next deal, you know? Well, let's talk about that too, because I feel like, I mean, obviously we talk a good amount, a good bit about money mindset and all of those kind Mm -hmm. of things. But I think for so many people, especially newer entrepreneurs, right? They're in the mindset that cheaper is better. Like I had two people in my group program this week tell me that, okay, my program's not selling that well. I'm going to take the price down. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Who says it has anything to do with the price? Like it could be too low. That could be the issue. And so can we talk a little bit about like, you know, especially if we're talking to that woman who is listening to this and maybe has a lash studio, whatever it is, and feels like she needs to beat the competition or feels like she needs to be the cheapest in town. Like what would you say to that person? Well, there's a couple things. So 
A, it's kind of like, where do you see yourself being, you know? And again, there's like a market for every level of every product or every service, you know? There's super cuts and then there's like, what is it, 910 where like all you guys go. <laughs> Fucking $800. Exactly. <laughs> for my hair. So, um, you know, you kind of have to figure out where you want to be. But I know for us, we knew we're a luxury service. Like we're not saving lives here. You know, we're a luxury service and... You know, we're in an affluent area, which also helps too, where people are willing to pay. But there's even, you know, we have college students. So it's not just like, you know, we get a lot of business professionals, which is great. Um, but, you know, it's across the board. You don't know who has money or where the money is coming from. But the point is, people will pay for what they see a value in. So if you value yourself, and that's kind of the mindset, like you have to know that, like, you value your work, you know you're great, you know you're you know, dotting your I's, crossing your T's across the board, why wouldn't someone wanna come in and like experience that and then come back, you know? And so when people are first going over their pricing, you know, a lot of people will think, oh, I'm gonna start low because I'm not that experienced, which could be fine, but if you're thinking you're gonna raise your prices every couple months and then suddenly get to like the higher end, the clients that you work so hard to get at the lower end more than likely aren't going to stick with you. So you kind of have to be in a ballpark realm of like, this is what we want, you know, and this is kind of like the wiggle room, you know, and because again, you're, are you going to just keep working to get more clients who are in the new price, like, you know, scale or kind of keep the ones that are with you and they'll be okay with like paying a little bit more over the years and then maybe a little bit more. But if you go from 30 to a hundred, it's like people are going to be confused, you know? I have so much to say on this and I could talk about this like all day long, but I think one of the things that you said, and I think I want people to remember here is that there's a difference, especially with a luxury service versus somebody was like, I remember I, I did this um, photo shoot in the beginning of this year and I, um, I got like the best photographer and this great package from her. And I flew out this great hair and makeup team because I knew that they were really wonderful. And I rented out this wonderful studio. I think I already said that, but I rented out this beautiful studio and you know, it was champagne, this, that, the other thing. It was a luxury experience. And I had multiple people email me, like one woman called me the scum of the earth for what I was charging. And it was so funny because I really was, I was barely profiting on the experience. But I like, I wrote her back and I was like, I'm not selling fucking EpiPens. Right. Like yeah. this is a luxury experience. And if, if you can't afford it, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I'm not yeah. telling you to cash out your 401k, but like, this is a luxury experience. And my old boss always used to say, you don't walk into Mercedes and ask why they're not the price of a Kia, right? right? They're different things. You're like, you're not going to complain that like you don't get handed a glass of champagne in a shop when you walk into Walmart. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you're a luxury, if you like decide what you want to be, do you want to be the cheapest person in town? Or do you want to be the person who again, like is a luxury, is a luxury, whatever it is, is a luxury company. And again, goes the extra mile and this, that, the other thing. And remembering that, we're not selling eyelash extensions to the woman who can't put food on her table. Right. We're not doing anything wrong. We're like this luxury right. service. And like, I just got microbladed, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to you to get my lashes done tomorrow. Yes. And like, especially with microblading, I don't want the cheapest person in town no. touching my face. Or around your eyes or no. anything. Right. Even my hair. <laughs> right. Like, like whatever. I can buy, like, I might analyze silly things in, like, Target. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get, like, this glass right. over the other one to save a dollar. But, like, my face and what I look like? No. Totally. And there's, like, the people who are in the middle of the road, too. And there's no wrong way to go about it. Like, if you 
want, you know, and I want to say too, I feel like some people get caught up in the area and like people aren't going to pay that, but it's like decide where you want to be. And like, if you are genuinely behind that and your energy is behind that and like people call and ask, you know, what's your pricing and you say it. And then, I mean, we used to get it in the beginning too. And now I notice we don't anymore, but people sometimes will call like, Oh, what's your pricing for a full set? And we tell them like, Oh no, that's too expensive. Could you maybe like, um, like this try is, to negotiate? And this barter. is not a garage sale. Yeah. No. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, you know, but you know, okay, well, I'm going to go somewhere cheaper. Great. Bye. Ooh. You know, and I wouldn't say it like that, but it's like, okay, well, have a great day, you know, because that's not the person. Like, I, I'm very clear on like who my clientele is, and like, that's not my clientele. Like, someone who's going to like nitpick over pricing and try to barter. Because if I were to like bend the rules for that person and like go cheaper, then what they're going to want to negotiate the fill and they're going to like want to negotiate this that or push it and come back with no lashes and be like well it's a fill because it's it's like no like it's just it's not worth the headache and there's plenty of people out there willing to pay whatever price you want you know i mean whether it's hermes whether it's four seasons the ritz or motel six and you know um whatever like it's just there's always a market for wherever you want to be and i also think it's so important to remember that logically for you to have a successful lash studio, mm-hmm. if we're just using that experience, that example, you don't need 600 people coming into your shop a day. Right. Right? Like, we don't need to serve everybody, right. but you need to decide what you want your business to look like and then be fully behind that decision. I think that, like, Amanda says this often, but when you're funny about something, mm-hmm. you're going to see that reflected in, like, the feedback that you're getting. But yeah. once I, anytime I've gotten really firm or clear on, you know, I sell all the time. Yeah. I am not weird about it at all. I am unapologetic about it and I don't get any shit about it. It's true. It's the energy behind it. I remember when we first started asking for credit cards for deposits and it's like, it was something new for us. It was kind of weird, you know, and it was kind of like, um, so yeah, and we're gonna, um, need a, a credit card to hold it. And it's like, if you hear that on the phone, you're like, uh, that doesn't sound like I have to put a credit card. So I'm going to be like, mm, I don't right. know if I want to leave a credit card with you. Okay. Well, but then if you're like, okay, well, you know, in order to get it booked, we require a credit card. We take a 50% deposit, you know, um, let me know when you have your credit card ready and then we'll enter it in. You'll get a receipt. The energy behind that is like, this is what we do. It's non-negotiable. You can get with it or not. And there's some people who are like, I don't want to leave my credit card. It's like, okay, well, you know, you can come in and pay in person or pay cash, but we're not able to book it without a credit card. And literally 99.9% of the time, it's not an issue. I mean, people leave a credit card for everything, for your hotel, for your flight, for, so if people, I've just learned that people, if they're not willing to leave a credit card for a deposit, chances are they're not invested in the service and they're going to waste your time. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like, I mean, I guess this is a little bit different with you in the sense that like you're serving everybody with me when I'm working with business owners and like, for example, people will buy something digital and like it's self-study and like, it doesn't come to them right away. And I'm getting emails like, was I scammed? Was I this? I'm like, (laughs) check your spam folder right. like or but like you see that i have like a facebook page right and all, did you really think i'm like and i understand shit happens but i also i just feel like the business owner especially that is like so skeptical and thinks that like everyone's out to get them and everything's a scam i feel like it's really hard to make energy make money with that energy oh for sure i mean it's like if you're upset about kind of like money mindset right if you're 
saying to someone like I don't know what someone could do with like a billion dollars but like energetically a billion dollars is the same as like one dollar so if you're basically saying I don't know what someone would do with money are you gonna get more money back to you I mean okay you know it's just it's all it's all the same and so relatively speaking for a business too if that's your approach it's like what are you attracting back to you or reflecting back to you? you totally. Know? Yeah. Totally. We could talk about this all day. I so <laughs> so let's, I want to hear a little bit, I want to hear more about the um, the product line. Okay. And, and ultimately also, I feel like I'm really interested to hear at what point, and these kind of go hand in hand, that's why I'm asking, I'm giving you a double whammy of a question here. But like, I'm curious at what point did it go from, oh, it'd be really cool to open up my own lash studio to be like, I'm building an empire. Like, when did that happen? So, still hasn't happened. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I just, so I was in nursing school. I'll answer that question first. I was in nursing school when I started doing lashes. And literally, lashes was supposed to just be the thing I did on the side while I was in nursing school working on my BSN. Then when we opened up Wink in 2013, I was like, well, I'm just going to take a break. I literally was like, I don't know, less than a year away of, like, getting my degree, which... By the way, I'm still paying school loans for a degree I don't have. <laughs> um, no judgment. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Exactly. It's so annoying. <laughs> but um, or I shouldn't say it's annoying. I love paying for my, love, my so education. Grateful. <laughs> so grateful. Um, so where was I? Where was my thought? So, yeah, we opened up Wink in 2013, and I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, I'm going to go back to nursing school. And then I realized quickly, like, I actually like – the business aspect. I like the creative process. I like the brand identity, the the figuring out, like one of my good friends is our graphic designer. She does our logo or like my logos, the websites. I mean, literally down to like the fucking fonts and the color scheme of like what it is for our brand. And so we had Wink and then I started working on Infinite um, in San Diego and I was doing some trainings on the weekends for like people who wanted to learn like private one-on-one -on -one trainings for people who wanted to learn lashes and product line was like in the back of my head but it just seemed like a lot of work and I wasn't really into it and I was I had done this girl like her training for classic lashes she came back a month later to learn volume and I had given her some of the glue that I was using and she was like this glue is amazing you should sell it on like Amazon or something and I was like yeah maybe I don't know I remember driving back home and I was talking to Chris at the time and I was like yeah like maybe I should look into like selling stuff on Amazon and he was just starting to look into selling stuff on Amazon and there was a program where he was like well I can see like if it, it does well like if there's a market for it and he was like holy shit like people are making like 30 to 40 thousand dollars a month selling the lash glue and I was like really so I was like well let's do it and like so naive but I feel like with everything you just have to jump in mm -hmm. because if you knew how much work it was going into it chances are you'd probably be like fuck that like there's no way so we I worked with the manu I was buying directly from a manufacturer so at first we pri private labeled now it's kind of like a mix between private label and then we can actually work with our manufacturer to work out formulas and kind of different things that we want and we test them so it's nice then we have like lashes and glue and all the shit that you need to to do it but at that time I was talking to the manufacturer my friend Helen was designing the labels and packaging for us and like going back and looking at our original packaging it was so bootleg I mean so I mean we've come so far thank god but like <laughs> it's like we were like manually putting labels like the barcode labels on all the packaging but anyways getting on Amazon was a beast in itself we had to get through a gated 
like um what's it called like a gated um not server but like in the beauty category it's like gated like they don't let everyone sell because you know there's a risk of whatever it is so we got on that we started selling and it was doing really well and then it started to hit me like oh shit so it went from one glue now we have five glues we have like a primer we have um a glue remover we have a lash cleanser and then we have like all the different lash curls thicknesses lengths all of that um and we sell on amazon and we also sell privately on our own website but that actually probably makes the most out of all the businesses because I mean it's internet like we have people buying in Japan and Australia and like in Europe and it's so crazy that we get these orders and I'm like oh my god like people you know will message us and be like I love your adhesive like it works so well with the humidity so I don't know if it's hit that I'm like building an empire but I just like the creative process and I've kind of seen this pattern of like every three years I like get the itch to do something so like 2013 we opened wink 2016 i opened infinite and it was like 2000 the beginning of 2017 we launched um the product line and now it's 2019 going into 2020 and i'm working on like digital courses for like other you know lash artists or people in the beauty industry or just anyone who wants to start their own business and i just i think like the entrepreneurial bug like bites you and you're like what can i keep creating like how can i keep evolving and i think for us entrepreneurs there's never going to get a point where it's like oh, i'm good I'm this is happy I've, you got know, all, like, I've got all the money i need exactly or it's like what else what else can i create what do people need what can i do like i just like i really like the creating and building process and then it's kind of like a coast for a while before i'm like okay what's next like what else can i like create i think two things about that Number one, would you agree? I feel like, like, again, like you've built a fucking empire, like black and white <laughs> built you. a fucking empire, but I don't think any of us realize what we've done. Yeah. Right. Because everybody is like, okay, well I've got to like, number one, we're in the day to day shit. Right. right? We're always in the thick of it. Right. Like your head's down. Right. And we were talking about before, we're like, it like looks like a highlight reel, but that, yeah. you know, it looks like this like luxurious thing, but like entrepreneurship for me has been anything but luxurious. Yeah, it's not glamorous at all. Right. And so it's like, I, I, I get not frustrated, but I always like, I'm so adamant about making my clients understand that like, nobody is sitting there being like like you said ah oh, i've made it yeah everyone is like beating themselves up for where they're where they aren't yet where they aren't yet and so i think for everybody i just beg you to and i'm a hypocrite because i totally do this every single day to myself yeah. but do your best to enjoy the journey and be proud of yourself and i know that that sounds corny but i feel like when you don't do that you wind up making yourself miserable and i i made a joke i remember with my mastermind like last year because i always use the, the analogy that like okay our ideal clients are on island a they want to be on island b and our job is to show them that we're the boat to get them from island a to island b but none of us are ever on island B. We, we're never like where we want to be. And so I was like, the attitude needs to be like, bitch, I'm on the boat. Like, <laughs> like, like this mindset of like every single day it's getting better. Every single day I'm growing and I'm evolving and I'm learning and it's all adding up. And so like, again, like to hear you like kind of be like, oh, like, you know, like, I don't know, like just modest about the empire, but like. And it's so true. Cause in our, we're, if you, I don't think we told you guys, but we're in a mastermind together, but, um, it wasn't until a couple months ago when everyone was kind of talking about their monthly goals. And in my head, I keep all my businesses separate. You know, it's like this, I know what this one is grossing. I know what that one's grossing. I know what that one's grossing. And then I added all of them up and I'm like, holy shit, like 
like my businesses are bringing in six figures a month. I'm like, I've been a millionaire since like 2017. <laughs> like, where is it? <laughs> right. But also like the imposter syndrome is so real. I feel like when you're an entrepreneur, it's like you always think like, because we're always trying to figure shit out, or at least I know I'm always trying to figure shit out. And you're kind of like, well, you know, I'm doing it, but like, am I doing it? Do I even know what I'm doing? Like, oh, yeah. what what am I doing? <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you know? I think I'm going to be a billionaire tomorrow. And sometimes I'm like, I'm never going to make another dime. Oh yeah, totally. Sometimes I'll look at pictures like, oh yeah, you're doing it. Like work <laughs> it. And then I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like everyone's going to know. I have no idea what the fuck is going yeah. on. Like I'm going to wake up one day and it's going to be like, poof, there's no products. Poof, there's no business. Like, poof, you know, and then. But I've learned too, like working through those, the only way to work through it is to keep doing shit, like action. Exactly. And that was the second thing that I was going to say, because I feel like, again, a frustrating thing for me is when I hear people who haven't done anything yet or like whatever, like they're not like, they they don't have their business off the ground, but they're like, well, what if I want to evolve in 17 years? And I'm like, (laughs) then you fucking evolve in 17. Like, like you get to pivot and you get to like, I, I don't like, remember we were at the VIP day. And we were talking about, like, somebody was saying, like, they were, like, retired at 30. And we're like, who the fuck would want to be retired right. at 30? And, like, I just feel like the the those of us that really make it, right? That sounds like an asshole thing to say, but I'm going to say it. But, like, <laughs> those of us that are, like, going to be massively successful in the entrepreneurial space, we always want to keep doing new things. Mm-hmm. Like, we always want to be challenged. We, all, we, see, we see possibility for the next thing that can be done. And so I just say that because, like, look at Tasha's, her journey and look at how much she's evolved and look at how many other things she's done. And I'm sure 10 years from now, she's going to have a bunch of other things under her belt. But, like, you focusing on what's going to happen in 10 years isn't helping you right now. Figure out something, take action, and start moving, and you learn as you go. Yeah, and I've always kind of had, I don't want to say always, but I kind of keep an open mindset. Like, for example, when I was first offered the job to, like, do lashes, I wasn't like, that's not what I want to do. I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, I get, I was open to it, you know? And then when things were so bad, it was kind of like, well, why don't I just start my own? You know, I'm kind of like holding space for like whatever the next transition may be and not really actively looking for it but I feel like when the time is right things happen and it clicks and I'm like that's what I want to do and the second I know and I lock in on it I'm like that's what I'm doing then like tunnel vision but um and it's refusing to stay stuck right a lot of people sit there and they're and again I do have sympathy yeah and especially for like you know older people whatever that Mm -hmm. means like you know like I mean my dad. I love my dad. And there's nobody I respect or admire more than him. But I've also watched him my entire life be really unhappy in his job. Yeah. But he also couldn't post on Instagram, you know, 20 years ago. Like, right. it was a little bit different. And yeah. so I feel like the older generations, that's one thing. But I just feel like for those of us who grew up understanding the internet and understanding computers, like, there's no, there's next to no, like, there's almost no reason to sit in a toxic work environment that makes you miserable Forever, right? Right. Like, again, if you have kids at home, I understand that you're not going to, like, get up and quit your job tomorrow. But start working on something because your life can be totally different and you owe it to yourself to pursue that versus staying stuck. Oh, totally. And, I mean, we're in the age – I mean, everyone was laughing at influencers, right? And I'm like, why did I make my page public years ago? Because they are killing it. I mean, these influencers are making millions of dollars. Yeah. And people were laughing, like, you're posting selfies, you know? But, like, they've turned it into something, you know? And whatever it is that you want to be, but it's action. And sometimes I don't know what the first step is, but sometimes the first step is, like, making an outline or, you know, buying, like, 
I remember when I was like starting the one in San Diego, I was like, I'm just going to buy the furniture because that's no what I'm, that's what I know I have to do. And it was like my signal to the universe of like, I'm serious about this. So like, I'm going to buy furniture, you know, it's a declaration. Exactly. You know, I, I will often do that. Like I'll buy myself something expensive, Mm -hmm. like on when I'm like about to start like a big launch. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's got to work now. Yeah. I got to pay this off. Yeah. (laughs) You declare that it's going to happen versus, you know, pinching pennies, this, that, the other thing. And like, and staying in the reality of it not happening. Yeah. And I think that's the hard thing too, is like when you're in the reality of it and like you see what your world is right now and like where you want to be and it's like, how do I get out of this? And like, it goes back to mindset and, you know, energy work. And I've been into, you know, since 2014, I guess, I mean, I feel like I was always applying the principles, but not realizing like the spiritual principles of like law of attraction or, you know, manifestation, but really understanding that like where you want to be you focus on that and you feel it like try to feel it and try to get into it I used to do this with cars like I had a car and I knew my next car and I remember like driving my current car and like thinking of like myself driving like my Mercedes and it was gonna be white and this and that and then my next car was like the white Mercedes and then I got that one I was like well next one I'm gonna get a CLS and I got the CLS and then the next one I was like I'm gonna get the S-Class next you know and here I am in the fucking S-Class but like you kind of have to do that with where you want to be in life and you know whether it's you know vision boards or I have a vision album even in my phone that I kind of look at but it's more it's not just looking at the pictures it's kind of like embracing and imagining that's where you are that's what you have like side note but like with this too I had like my dream vacation was like this place in Tahiti and I had screenshot things from Instagram of like this person who was there in Tahiti and Chris and I decided to go a couple years back and we booked a hotel at the sofa t- or we booked a room at the sofa tell overwater bungalow whatever and i went back to like that vision album and i'm like scrolling through it and then i look at the location for where those pictures are taken and it was the fucking sofa tell in Morea in tahiti and i was like oh my god like i did this so i mean that shit works i think it works <laughs> it to- it totally works but i also feel like i like i'm i'm bad with this not bad i'm fine with it but I own that I'm like this I have a hard time wrapping my brain around strictly spiritual or energetic principles Mm -hmm. unless I can explain them to myself to myself practically yeah and so I say that because I think the visualizing and the manifesting like obviously it's all really like powerful and I believe in it but at the end of the day from a practical perspective I think what I see in you is that there was never a moment where anything wasn't fucking possible. Like you don't, you don't, I'm sure there were moments, right? But like, you don't entertain the concept of like it not working. You're like, I don't know. I had to come up with $15,000. So I figured it out. Well, totally. And that's what I mean. Like, I feel like I can always bet on myself. And if I have a goal, it's, and I actually think this is because my parents were so strict when I was younger. So I had to get really creative about getting what I wanted. And I remember walking home from school and whatever it was I wanted to do I was like there's always a way to get what you want you just have to figure it out there's always a way to get and it could have been like how am I gonna like sneak out to go see a movie with my friend like what little lie could I tell you know but like there's always a way my mentality is there's always a way and like if there's a roadblock it's not like the end it's just a fucking detour so like okay maybe I, I couldn't go about it that way but how can I get what I want like how can I get what I want? You know, I deserve to have what I want. I'm going to get what I want. Like I go into everything thinking like, I'm going to like, I'm going to be a billionaire. Let's just put it out there. I don't know in what year, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be a billionaire and there's always a fucking way, you know? And so not taking no for an answer, but also just figuring it out. And also what feels good. You know, I think a lot of people should tune in and trust your intuition. Like 
it can be scary, you know, if you're like, I don't know what to do, but if you really are like that and not scary as like, that feels scary. So I don't want to do it. But like, does that feel good when I think about that? Maybe I should go that direction. Or is that like, that feels bad. I don't want to do it. Then maybe don't do that, you know, but if something feels good when you like lean into it and think about it, fear is normal. I think at any level, I'm sure there's like huge people on wall street or whatever, where they're scared every fucking day, but guess what? They're still doing shit and making money. But if something feels good, it's a good indication of like, that's the way to go. So many things. I have so many things to say. We could talk for four more hours. I know. Number one, one of the things that I believe the most deeply in life, especially with entrepreneurship, is that if you are not going to be solutions oriented, quit fucking now. Mm -hmm. If I always, Bethany Frankel was like, I love her, but she always talks about like coming from a place of yes. And like, you know, just again, thinking about how it's possible, whatever it is, I, I like the way that she says that. And it was, it's one of the first things that I call clients out on when they're just coming from this place of no, when it's like, they're not even entertaining how it can work. They're just coming back at it with like the reasons that it can't work. And I get it. I'm not mad at you. You're not a bad person, but like you have to be so laser focused on the fact that there is a solution and that you're going to find it. And that's all there is to it. Because if you're just going to put your hands up, I say this all the time. Like if something doesn't work for you, like entrepreneurship, like you don't get to take your ball and go fucking home if it doesn't work right away. Like right. it doesn't, you can do that, but like you're going to stay broke or you're going to be working in a full, like right. you don't get that option. And so that's one thing. But ultimately I think I want everyone to understand that as well as the fact that like, I mean, I am, you know, with clients, whatever, my content, like I am a little bit more tough love and it's not that I'm not sympathetic, but it's also, I just want to make the person understand that like, if you're sitting there clinging to your fears, like it's a fucking security blanket. Again, I get it. And I, I do it myself. I've done it myself. But if you think that other people aren't scared, yeah. you're crazy, right? Like there, this was scary. I was nervous about having you here today, which is so silly, like right. in retrospect, but like it was the first time I was doing it. I had nerves about it. I'm sitting here with a paper with 45 questions on it. We've covered <laughs> like three of them, but like, I, you know, I was like prepared and this, that, the other thing. And I was nervous about it, but like, you have to get uncomfortable. And so I just feel like you need to either accept that and decide to move through it or I don't know. Well, totally. And I mean, I feel nervous, scared about like launching the digital content, you know, because it's, it's a whole realm of like something I've never done. I've never been in, but that's why like my first action was like, I need to be around people who are doing it and I'm around people who are doing it well. So there's you, Amanda Francis. I mean, like we're in a group where, I am just like soaking it all up and like I don't know a clue about fucking digital content and courses but like I am around it and I feel like if you put yourself in a position to even just learn from people and like learn from people you look up to you will get farther than just sitting on your ass complaining about what you don't know you know and so then my next step is like okay well we're gonna design a website so we're designing a website we're gonna build it at some point I'm gonna have to launch it I'm thinking you know the end of the year beginning of the year is when I'll actually like come together but if I was just sitting there thinking and like being like, well, I've never done it before. I'm really scared, which I I'm scared of like, I've never done it before. Not that thing is actually scary, but it's just something new and different and outside of my normal comfort zone. But once I do it, I'm pretty sure I'm like, holy fuck guys, I'm launching again. Like, here we go. You know, um, it's with everything. It's yeah. like this podcast took me two years to have the guts to do. And I'm like, now like everyone, if I talk to like the homeless man on the street, I'm like, you've <laughs> got to start a podcast. Like, right. I don't understand why anybody doesn't have a podcast. Like, but it's just that first it's getting over that initial hump. Yeah. And like, the other thing I want to say is that I think, you know, I think a lot of us grow up with 
there are many of us that didn't grow up wealthy that, you know, money, we all have our money shit, right? And so being a billionaire, being a millionaire was certainly not something normal in my family. But I also at one point had to wrap my brain around, well, other people are doing it. So why yeah. the fuck can't I? And like, I always say this, but I'm like, we're not wishing for somebody to come back to the, from the dead. Mm-hmm. We're not wishing to like cure cancer. We're not, we're not asking for anything yeah. impossible. Weirder things have happened. So like, if there's anything worth getting your brain around, worth like wrapping your brain around in terms of possibilities, like shouldn't it be you pursuing the thing that you want successfully? Like, why would we ever believe that that's not possible? Right. It's totally possible. And then when sometimes I think when I'm driving or I just think, you know, cause I'm a human and I think, but, um, <laughs> there's so much money circulating around the world yes. all the fucking time at any given moment. Like, and I mean, the money is exchanging hands left and right, billions, trillions, gazillions of dollars. And why can't more circulate towards me? There's no reason why it can't. That's why I fucking live here. Yeah. Like, I literally, like, I wanted to be able to walk outside and look at 20 plus million dollar houses up on the Hollywood Hills and realize that me stressing if I should charge $397 or $497 (laughs) was absolutely ridiculous. Like, I say that, I said this on a podcast last week, but I was like, remember like I don't know like I don't know what show it was but maybe it was like Double Day or something but like people were in like these like plastic tubes and like money's just floating and you like have to grab as much as you can and I was like that's what we're living in because you making a hundred thousand dollars is a fucking joke right like compared to what's available to you it's a joke well and I feel like every time you reach a new level then there's a new goal I remember when six figures was the goal for a year and then you get to six figures and I'm like how come I just feel like I just thought I'm not making enough I can't live off this and like 200,000 and I'm like I made 200,000 this year like where did it all go you yeah. know because you want to save more or not you know but you want to invest more or you you kind of elevate your lifestyle or you know whatever it is and so it's just and there's so much good you can do with fucking money like I really want money because there's I feel like you can lobby for laws to get passed you kind of have like money's power in the sense of like you have a louder voice when you have fucking money and it, it sucks to say but you know you can donate to places that you I mean there's so much going on in the world that like money it doesn't solve all the issues but I feel like it could get the foot in the door or also make a genuine change you know absolutely like, I was just like on Facebook before you came over and just like something silly where like not silly, but like a dog that like was just rescued and was hurt. Yeah. And the fact that I can hit donate yeah. and not even blink about it, like that's the, like, I think so often in like the entrepreneurial space, we talk about, you know, the Chanel bags, this, that, the other thing, which yeah. again, we get to want and there's no guilt about that. Yeah. But like, just even little things about like, I like not little things, but like the fact that I can employ my sister is really, really, really important to me. And it's something I'm proud of, or again, donate the way that I want to, or just not have to fucking like the fact that I was out last night in an Uber and I get a notification that my rent has been paid automatically and I didn't even have to fucking think about it. Like those are the moments that are really important to me. Mm -hmm. So like, again, like I think a lot of people can get wrapped up in like the, the material stuff, which is also nice. I mean, right. We all enjoy it, but yeah, it's just, you can make a difference in other people's lives. And I mean, even now with the fires, I mean, think of all these people who are losing all their stuff, you know, but there's other people who can donate, you know, or the animals, you know, who are like lost their homes. It's just, it's like, yeah, you, it's just, I want to help everyone. (laughs) Right. No, absolutely. Again, there, there's you, not that you can't do much without money because that's not true, but how can we even argue? I always think of a, Wolf of Wall Street. And he's uh-huh. like, you can save this fucking spotted owl with money. Like, you know, like we, you, you can do so much more yeah. 
not only with money, but when you're fucking happy yeah. versus being miserable. And when you take that level of stress out, like you say, you know, having your rent just automatically paid, I'm sure that wasn't like, oh God, the, the first, but for a lot of people, you know, it's like, do you want to stress about the first of the month and your bills coming out, you know, or whatever it is, or get to the position where it's like, you know, there's enough money in your account to cover this stuff. So like, you can go to the grocery store and swipe your card and not really be thinking, and I'm not saying like, don't pay attention to prices, but like swipe your card and know that like, it's fine, you know, like I can cover it. There's more than enough money in my account to cover groceries or go to the gas station and I'm not like, put 22 on pump six. It's like, you just put your card in and you're like, holy fuck, $86, all right, well. <laughs> yeah, welcome to California. Right. Thank you for the gas in my car so I can drive around in traffic. Right, <laughs> and I think, I mean, you know, I want everyone listening to really know, and Tasha and I were talking about this before she, before we went live, whatever, that, you know, in this particular, look, there are a lot of people that are born into money. There are a lot of people who have wonderful, something that I did, you know, something that I did early on in my business was assume that it was easier for everyone else. That right. assume that, oh, well, if this person's doing it, you know, their husband has money or they were born into money. And that might be true in a lot of cases, but that doesn't fucking help me make any more money, right? right? And so you're listening to two girls who, like, not had nothing because that's not true but also like we're not handed anything in terms of starting their businesses like i think my mom would like lend me two hundred dollars to like pay my student loans and like three days later needed it back like you know my like parents would laugh like can i have twenty dollars <laughs> yeah go figure it out I'm yeah. like what <laughs> like we you know we both i'm you know maybe yeah. being a little like braggy but like i'm really proud of like myself for fucking doing it i'm really proud of you for fucking doing Thank it you. and like again like just i say that not to be obnoxious but to like more than anything, I just want everybody to know that, like, if you want it, make it fucking happen. Yeah, and, like, any, I mean, it's hard. Not hard, but, like, I feel like we tell ourselves stories, you know, of reasons why, you know, and for those of you who don't know, like, I'm African-American, and so that could be a story where it's like, well, no one's going to pay that much to come to some place, you know, where, I mean, I don't know, or even being female, you know, yeah. it's like a lot of people will, it's like, you're not a business person, you know, it's like we had this idea that's so antiquated and like from a dinosaur age of like, <laughs> you had to be a guy or a man to be, or guys, guy is a man, you know, you had to be that person with a penis to like be a good business person, you know? And so you kind of have so many things stacked up against you and here we are, you know, like my parents had enough to basically get by. There wasn't any extras. We would go to Cheesecake Factory every once in a while. My parents were like, $13 and under is what you guys get. You guys get water. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even know if you can get anything at Cheesecake for 13 now, but like that's what it was back in the 90s. <laughs> right. I, again, I think it's easy for all of us to look at all the reasons we can't do it or all the reasons that people have it easier. We all do that from time to time, but I well, just... Even I, being a mom, like we were talking about, yeah. you know, and that is definitely a fucking challenge and... For me, and I can only speak on this personally, you know, I had my daughter 18, she's 18 months old now. So like prior to that, I had built two businesses. I had the product line and then I had her and it was like, like a complete like breaks, like halt. And it, I mean, it, it was definitely a shift in identity, you know, trying to figure out my place, but I still wanted to work. Obviously I had like these businesses, but I also needed to be home with her and care for her. And like, you're up all hours of the night and you're not getting sleep and you're dehydrated. I mean, there's all the things. And 
sometimes you would just be like, fuck, I just want to throw in the towel. But it's like, no, like I can't, you know, and I'm not doing as much as I would like to do. I mean, I remember I had a post and I was like, I have 11 hours a week. Like from the time, you know, I work with clients four days a week. I have the nanny two days a week where she helps me, but that's 11 hours where I get to literally, whether it's get my nails done, get my lashes done or work on shit for the business, like payroll. Like I have 11 hours a week where I don't have my daughter so I can focus because when I'm with her, it's it's nonstop. I mean, she's a toddler. It's like even nap times, I got to lay next to her, you know? So, um, you know, some people could use that as an excuse and it's like, you just have to really want it and not even just want it, but just take action. And I mean, I could have had my digital content up six months ago. I'm going to say if I didn't have her, but like, if I didn't have that added, it's like a delay, you know, I only have a certain amount of time every week. So I only get to work on that a certain amount of time every week, but some progress is better than no progress. So it'll get up eventually. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's just no excuses, you know, you want results. There's no excuses. I think, and I, you know, I always am really, I really try to be sensitive about this topic and I joke about it. I'm like, I have a dog and she goes to doggy daycare like four days a yeah. week. Like, I, I, I recognize that like my privilege in the sense that not privilege cause I've chosen not to have kids, but like, I recognize that like, I'm maybe more fortunate than somebody who has, you know, or it's easier for mm-hmm. me, maybe that the person who has four kids and has a full-time job and I will never argue that. And I can't stand when entrepreneurs without children don't acknowledge that. But I also know that clinging to that feeling or belief like, okay, well I can't do it because Sarah has more time than me is never going to ultimately help you. And so, you know, being intentional with your time, like if you have, you know, X amount of hours a week, are you, are you doing the money-making activities? Are you actually focusing on what has to get done? And one thing that I say, and I'm curious if you agree with me about this, I hear from a lot of women who say things like their why is their child Mm -hmm. or, you know, wanting to give them a better life, this, that, the other thing. And obviously those are very valid things to desire, but I personally don't feel like that's enough of a why to be successful. You can't, I don't feel like you can, like, it's just like, I can't build this because I want the money. Mm -hmm. I want the money, but I'm not going to last doing what I'm doing if I don't really care about it. And so I just always feel like the thing that you're doing needs to be selfish in a way that it lights you up and it fires you up. And of course, supporting your children, this, that, the other thing, it's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful byproduct of it, but it can't be the sole thing. Do you agree with that? So kind of. So like, I agree that the why first start, like if your why is obviously to give your child a better life, then that basically comes down to money because money is going to give your child a better life. But if your why is like, I want to set an example for my daughter. So she sees that like, no matter what hard work or not even hard work, but work progress, taking the steps is like going to get you to wherever you want to be. Then yeah, that's a great why. But if it's like, I just, I want to give my daughter the best life and she can have whatever she wants. I mean, that comes down to money, which is fine, but it's like, have you read the book Start With Why? I haven't. I, I remember I watched the video a long time it's ago. so, so good. But, like, he talks about, like, Apple. I'm going to, like, totally botch it up. But Hold Apple. on. I said watch the video. That sounded very, like, share from Clueless. <laughs> I meant the TED Talk. I know that's not a video. Keep going. I listened to the Audible. But, like, when you get back to your why, it's, like, what really is going to get you up and, like, light you up, like you said, you know? And so, sure, your kids, because you need to provide for them, but at the end of the day, like, what is exciting to you? What are you passionate about? So, I mean, I had my businesses before I had my daughter, but things have shifted, too. So, I have certain whys of, like, yeah, like, I want to put 
X amount of money aside for her. So whether she decides to go to college or not or start her own business, at least she's good, you know, in that regard. Because I never had that. Like, my parents didn't pay for college. My parents didn't really have anything to give me. So, um, you know, I want to set her up that way. But she's not the reason I get up in the morning. Like, I love what I do. I love doing lashes. I love the interaction with my clients. And I like helping people and just, like, being in that space and that world and um you know so of course I'm going to take care of her and of course I'm going to show her but the why is more so like I just I mean I like this entrepreneurial life you know and that's why I do it like I like the creative process I like the building and then I like the challenge you know right and that's exactly my point I feel like entrepreneurship is so effing hard yeah now, like if it's you literally act- raising a kid I mean yeah I have two <laughs> I have multiple businesses one is like what is my daughter <laughs> yeah and if you don't actually enjoy the thing that you're doing you can want to make all the money in the world but like the passion has to be there for yeah. helping people whatever it is and there's so many stories of entrepreneurs who are making so much money at whatever desk job and they just weren't happy because like the why can't boil down to money I mean if it does it might get old but I feel like you're gonna make so much money when you're so passionate about what you do because that translates to people you know or whatever it is that you're you're doing that's gonna translate and money's gonna come to you that was that's a big thing that I always talk about and I could have never understood that when I was broke but I finally figured out when I don't put money first I make a fuck load more yeah when I when I'm just wanting to make money I'm going down every rabbit hole um you know chasing strategies and I'm like not I don't didn't have my head on straight whereas like oh when it's like oh I want to build this and I want to actually say what I want to say that's when the money came yeah, in. Really and it's a lot easier said than done. Because, of course. You know, when you're in the thick of it. I mean, I've had moments where I'm literally in bed and like stressing over money and like, what am I going to do? And da 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 da. But it's like with anything, you hold on too tight. You hold, have a piece of soap in your hand and you hold on too tightly, it slips out, you know, because it's just too much. Whereas if you hold on loosely, it'll stay there, you know? And so with anything energetically, if you're in a relationship with someone, they're so clingy, it's like, you know, um, they're probably gonna like be pushed away whereas if you're just like hey we're just doing this we're hanging out we're cool you know it's they might want to be around you (laughs) and it's yeah it's so funny that like it's probably the hardest thing to do but detachment is really how you get what you want necessity totally okay i don't want to wrap up because i could talk for six more hours but i think for you know for the sake of everyone we should but if there was just one thing that you wanted that whether it's, you know, the girl who wants to start the last studio or whatever, like what piece of advice would you leave that aspiring or new woman entrepreneur with? Huh. What would I leave her with? Well, I think A is just, you just have to start, but also get clear enough on what you want and why you want it, because that's going to be the reason why you keep doing it. You know, there's like, when I think of my digital courses and now like going into this thing, it's like, I can help these people and like help them get clear and like their mindset and like set like all the things like teach them everything basically what I've learned in the last 10 years but like I get excited on my days off quote unquote when I can like go work on that and like get my outline and like you know figure that out you know so for anyone who's like starting out it's like figure out what you want you know do you want to go big or do you want to stay small and either way is okay you know but like what do you want to do or um you know, and then just take steps to do it. It could be as simple as maybe, you know, I'm going to invest in a course from someone, you know, who's already done it or a couple steps ahead of me, or maybe I'm going to at least sit down and get an outline together, or maybe I'm going to sit down and like create like a menu, you know, just do something 
that's going to because then everything else will kind of flow after that I feel like one step leads to the other it leads to the other and um you know going on to like the name of your podcast like unstoppable it's like you just have to be determined you have to know that like whatever you want you can get and there's always a way and even when things seem to be like a block you know or a pause or whatever it is like you just you just keep pushing you have yeah you have to know you have to be anchored in that doesn't mean i think a lot of people when they hear like well you just decide yeah it doesn't mean like shit doesn't come up and it doesn't yeah. mean like you don't have moments but like you just decide that that's the most important thing and it's not gonna yeah it's yeah. not gonna stop you totally. and where can everyone connect with you so my personal instagram is tasha m land um i'm on that most frequently i do have Facebook as well. I think that's Tasha M. Land. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even accept my friendship request. Yeah, I'm never like, on Facebook for like, like months. <laughs> you didn't accept me. I'm like, what? How do I? I'm like, how does this thing work? How do I get into this? So yeah, Instagram is the best way. And then I have my business in Pasadena. That's Wink underscore Lash Studio. And then um, Infinite without an E, actually um, Lash Boutique and Infinite Lash Products. So and I'll leave you guys the links for all of that so you can connect with her. Perfect. Right, well, thank you so much for ha- being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is so much fun. Yay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. So before we recorded the episode, we actually asked people on Instagram if they had any specific questions. And we have the time and we still have Prosecco left. So we figured that we would just go back and answer some of the questions in an after show kind of format. Um, you know, we want to give the people what they want. So one of the first questions that we had is... Some hello BPO on Instagram said something I try to master and I'm still not great at work life balance and how you get through the difficult, excuse me, I can read, I promise the difficult side of entrepreneurship thoughts and tips on that. So I don't feel like there's literally like when I think of balance, I think of something equal. And so I honestly don't ever feel, especially now being a mom, there's no balance it's just prioritizing and fit and like figuring out what's important for me that day. And then I've really had to learn how to just let go of the shit that like I didn't get done that day. So like work life balance, um, depending on what your job is. I mean, I'm fortunate where I feel like my job is like really fun. (laughs) So it's never like stressful, but I mean, I do work long hours. And so like today before work, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go have my green juice. I'm going to go to the gym. And after that, I just felt so much better, but I don't get to do that every day, which I should prioritize more because it makes me feel good and I feel like I have a clearer mindset, but um, I'm trying to go back to the question so I can look. I'm trying to master and still not great at life-work balance and how do you get through the difficult side of entrepreneurship. So I feel like with everything else, you just, you gotta push through it and figure out like one thing that makes me feel better. So when I'm super stressed out or like frantic, going to the gym for me is like suddenly things are in perspective I'm not freaking out anymore like as I'm like you know on the Stairmaster or lifting weights or whatever it's like somehow like the endorphins I'm like okay this is fine I got this or I'll have like a good idea well I think it's a genius idea but like I'll have an idea and I'm like okay it's not the end of the world like the world's not collapsing I can do it so um I know you like getting your massages and that's like your clear moment you know so kind of focusing on one thing that can make you feel good and then create that balance. But it's just, I don't ever think shit's going to be equal, equal all across, you know? I think one of the best things that I ever, was like what, what, what I was ever told 
is at some point you just have to fucking embrace the chaos. Yeah. Striving for it to be calm or striving for it to be perfect or whatever, it's a losing battle. So at some point I just had to acknowledge that like this is the roller coaster I'm on and some days are going to be hard and some days are going to be easy, easier. And recognizing when I'm having a moment that I'm over being overly dramatic, right? Yeah, actually, I just had another thought too. What I've had to start telling myself recently is like, this is not the end of my story. So like when shit, like I'm in the thick of shit and I'm like, oh my God, I'm stressing out. I'm like, Tosh, this is not the end of your story. You're the rest get is still it. unwritten. Exactly. So it's like, this is, I'm not, oh, hopefully I'm not dying tomorrow, <laughs> but like this isn't the end of the story. And so kind of knowing that and like this isn't where it ends. So whether it's like you're working on making more money, you're raising your credit score, whatever it is that is like your goal Today is not, it's just another step, you know, and just keep stepping up and stepping forward um, and just know that, like, that's, this doesn't end here. Totally. And I always say this, I feel like I'll have my moments where I'm, like, really tired. Yeah. I'm like, I can't work like this anymore. Like, I, like, something needs to change. I'm like, if I just take a nap, I'm normally fine. Like, I don't, I don't need to, like. <laughs> I just need to eat. <laughs> I, think a, I think a lot of us, maybe especially as women, I feel make these big dramatic like pronouncements and like everything has to change and like a lot of times it is a little bit dramatic and I don't mean to say this to be like so like anti-feminist or whatever it is but like ladies like pay attention to your period yeah because every single month all of a sudden I want to change everything Mm -hmm. and everything and I'm like oh I do this every month I'm 34 you think I'd get this by now (laughs) but like it it is a real thing but it like creeps up I feel like it's like a slow like creep up and then you're like oh that's why you know but in in the moment you're like why why is this happening like why are you irritating me and you know whatever (laughs) yeah especially with business like that is not the time to make any big changes or be dramatic and right. it's like again i would just an example of like embracing the chaos and recognizing that there's no perfect balance ultimately um okay second question is from k dubsies how do you pivot when life throws you curveballs can you speak to times you've had a sacrifice and what you've learned from sacrifice so how do you pivot when life throws you curveballs i feel like you learn to trust yourself and for me, I feel like each step in my business has been a pivot. So like what I thought was going to be my goal of like being a nurse and then doing lashes. And I was like, I'm just going to go with this, you know, just you, I feel like, you know, the answer within yourself. Um, and so pivoting just is kind of like what, if you, you tune in and you kind of like you, you understand, you know, like you just, you go with what feels right. And so, um, I don't know if it's like a learning thing you know but you just I feel like you just got to trust your intuition and it will like lead you in the right direction and you know times that I've had to sacrifice um and it's gonna I hope this doesn't sound bad but like after having my daughter like obviously I wasn't I went from working six days a week to like two (laughs) and then slowly adding some more hours in and that was a huge sacrifice for me because mentally it's a completely different change um I mean I just this last, I mean, I feel like I'm finally 18 months later kind of getting the hang of it, you know, and that's because we're able to, you know, have a nanny, but like, it's just, it's a sacrifice. And I feel like a letting go is also one of the things where I've had to learn. Like, I just, I can't control everything, even though I used to, and I was very good at it, but like, I can't control everything. And, um, you know, 
the sacrifice, I think it depends on how you look at it. Like sacrifice isn't always like a losing game or like you're losing something. Sometimes it's just like, I mean, I don't even know the words I'm searching for, but sometimes it's just, um, it's a redirection, you know, and it's just, you're, you're transitioning into something else. So what you might perceive as a sacrifice really isn't long in the long run, you know, it's just something that had to happen for you to get wherever you need to be. I think that's a really important point to hit on that who wants to keep doing the same thing that they're, you know, do forever, right? Mm-hmm. But I speak to a lot of women who, what you just said about like, okay, like letting go of like the nursing piece. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of women beat themselves up for quitting. For like, I've I've worked with a lot of women that like start in MLMs and then they want to move on to the next thing. They're miserable in their MLMs, but they're sitting there being like, well, I can't quit because that makes me a quitter. And what are my friends and family going to think? I'm like, who gives a fuck if it's not making you happy? So like making peace with like, oh, I'm growing and I'm evolving versus like you beating yourself up that like, oh, all of this was for nothing. Or like I quit on nursing. No, like you pursued what felt good. And like, I think more of us need to do that. Yeah, totally. And it just, it comes down to trusting yourself and, um, you know, and I feel like we all have those moments when like we're going through a transition and we're unsure of like what, what's supposed to happen or what's supposed to like be, but you know, when you tune in or like, and I feel like you get signs, you know, from the universe or whatever it is, you know, and it kind of like guides you in the right direction. Of course. Okay, favorite online stores. Your style is so chic. And the, oh, sorry, that was from Hello Dolly. <laughs> uh, favorite online store. Well, I shop at Nordstrom a lot. And I You've heard t- of Chanel, right? <laughs> yes, I love Chanel. I have lots of bags. Don't tell Chris. Um, <laughs> let's see, favorite online stores. So I shop at Nordstrom a lot. Instagram brands that I like to purchase from, like JLux Label has cute stuff. Um, Naked Wardrobe, I buy from Revolve a lot. Um, And then honestly, like, because I have so many clients that come in, you know, and they're all women, and sometimes it's as simple as like, oh my God, that's so cute, where did you get it? And they're like, I'll send you the link, you know, and vice versa. Or even like, I have clients that are now friends, and like, when they buy something, I just bought this, you need to get it. So those are some of the ones I I purchase from a lot. but I'm always looking for other cute things. So, you know. <laughs> Off topic, but I like that you just said that, that your clients become friends. Yes. And that you're not afraid to be like, hey, like, where's that shirt from? And I think that's a really great lesson for all of us. I think so any of us can just be so buttoned up all the time mm-hmm. and so, like, all business. But, like, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, obviously, like, just being good to your people, but, like, be a human being. Yeah, be a human. And I think when you build a relationship with people and it's not so like it is a business and you are exchanging a service for money but outside of that like I've become really good friends with a lot of my clients and like we've gone through life together I mean my clients knew me when I was I don't know two three boyfriends ago you know in the transition from that or even with them and their crazy dating stories or divorces or kit you know and um, we go to each other's like baby showers or events but um, you know it's strictly business when they come see me in the sense of like they don't ever ask me like, well, now that we're friends, can I get something for free? Oh my God. You know, but like we're friends enough where we text or it's like, Hey, did you see this? Or, you know, send a picture, you know, whatever it is, like it's a relationship. And I feel like if you're building a relationship with people, they're also going to be loyal to you. Not that it's like contrived in that sense, but like, why, why not be friends with people who are nice? (laughs) Why not? And I think that's an interesting balance between 
I want my people to respect me as a business owner, respect my boundaries and, you know, not treat me like they're my best friend necessarily, but also the balance of, I want us to actually like each other and like, again, be human beings and have a relationship. Not just like you said, not just because of the fact that like you genuinely want to be nice to people and have people be nice to you, but like, it doesn't hurt your business to be a nice fucking person that people actually want to talk to. Exactly. And I'll send you the link for anything you want. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Okay. Oh, sorry. I have to open it back up. Um, do you, and this is also from Hello Dolly, do you re- recommend starting out small or going big or go home for a new salon? So I've done both <laughs> because the place in Pasadena is a storefront. And then I started small in San Diego because I didn't really know the area and I'm in a salon suite. So I just, I think there, there's nothing wrong either way. It's kind of like, where are you? I mean, we were fortunate enough in Pasadena when we first opened Wink to have clients, you know? So I felt comfortable knowing that like we could cover the overhead. And by overhead, I mean like we had rent, we had um, (laughs) like all the shit, you know, all the supplies, the rooms, you know, we have a reception area, we have like snacks, we have a bathroom, we have a laundry room, you know, so everything else, like the build out, all of that. I mean, we just talked about on the podcast, it's about $30,000 to start. So if you have that and you have the clientele, why not go big? But there's nothing wrong with starting small. And like, we didn't have salon suites in 2013, at least not like we do here, like now. Um, And so why not? Like if you can start small and then grow into something bigger, you know, and there's nothing wrong with like smaller, like progress is progress. There's nothing wrong with smaller steps. I was just saying growth is growth. And I think that a lot of people overwhelm themselves and then don't get anything done. But I also think, I mean, especially as a brick and mortar store, like I think this is true with everything, but like especially with a brick and mortar location, I think that you have to, you know, crawl before you walk. But you also need to... You don't know what you don't know. And so you have to experience things before you figure out how your business is going to look in a year. Because just like, that's like figuring out, okay, like what, I don't know, what am I going to do with my child in a year and a half? Like you have, you have no idea what you're up, what you're up against. And so like, I feel like giving yourself the space to like one of the, like as an example, one of the things that drives me crazy is when like brand new coaches they're like oh well I just like announced this year-long program and I'm like I guarantee you you don't want to be talking about this or talking to these people in a year like to put yourself in that like so yes give yourself like you're taking action and you're moving the needle every single day but not getting yourself into a place where like you're over committing over your head and just like whatever you're comfortable with so like for us for starting wink like there were two of us which kind of made it easier because it was like there were two of us generating income to cover all the expenses you know and then you know with me just doing it solo the first you know in san diego i you know i was like well i'm gonna start small i don't know the area i don't know the people so yeah if you have the clientele and you want to start big but also, I feel like you're you might be more profitable starting small because you don't have all that overhead. I mean, it's expensive to run a business. Like we have a receptionist, we have I mean everything like towels and laundry, and you know people want toilet paper when they go to the bathroom. So guess what? We gotta give them toilet paper and soap and napkins and you know all the fucking shit. So and a cleaning person and like it's just it's a lot and if you're you know you start small you're in a salon suite like a lot of that is built into the price which is nice. That is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think like I said, I think you know, it's always funny like I'll speak to people who like they're building their first course and they're like, "Okay, well, I think 
you know, this is going to be the 17th course. Okay. <laughs> let's do, get to one. <laughs> let's do the first one. Yeah. And so I think it's always just, it's, it sounds obvious, but just being smart about the way that you're growing and not assuming that bigger is better. Yeah. What are some tips? This is also from Hello Dolly. She's your number one fan. What are some tips? <laughs> I love Dolly. <laughs> I, had, I had dinner with her last night. <laughs> oh, yay. What are some tips for manifesting while at work? Book, and in parentheses, booked with clients all day. I think, is that like for manifesting clients, like to be booked? That's how I'm reading it. I guess so. Let's go with that. What are some tips for manifesting while at work? So, um, I'm going to take it that way. <laughs> but I think, you know, it goes back to like, how does it feel? Like if you were booked with clients all day, how does that feel? Like, like I literally will visualize, and I know some people don't get into the visualization, but like when I'm like thinking, you know, if I have gaps in my schedule or whatever, I'll literally kind of look at my schedule and I'll remember feeling like when I was like completely booked all whatever days I worked, you know? And I'm like, it was like a no brainer. Like I didn't even think about it. I just knew I was booked, you know? And then if I saw a gap, I'd be like, you know what? This is just space for a new person to come in who's going to be a, a long-term client. So... I just, for me, it's like the visualization leads to the feeling. I know some people can jump right into the feeling of it, but for me, it's like, I have to like see something, you know, and then it triggers like a feeling or a thought, um, you know, or even while I'm at work, you know, I don't know if this is what her question meant too. When I'm at work and like, you know, some clients don't want to chat, they go to sleep, you know, and that's fine because then I'm like left to my own thoughts. But like, while I'm working, I'm literally like planning in my head. It's like, I can be thinking of like my big picture or, you know, even the little picture or a to-do list or like just getting into the feelings of like whatever it is I want to do. And I'm like working, but also like kind of like in my head, like manifesting and bringing that shit to me, you know, where I'm like in the space of like, I'm killing it. But then I also will pause and be like, and I'm so grateful for this client because they're paying me. They're going to love their lashes. And I'm like, and then this client's going to, you know, like whatever it is, like I kind of go down that, that rabbit hole of like, they're going to tell all their friends and their friends are going to come to me and I'm going to make so much money. It's going to be so great and we're all going to love it. <laughs> You're like that girl that was walking down the street believing that she could yes, go exactly. to the Beverly Center. <laughs> exactly. I like that that's still your philosophy and your totally. strategy. Yes. All right, cool. Well, that is it with the questions. Yay. Thanks, Yay. you guys. Bye.